and we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy that you've shown to us each and every day. We thank you, Father, uh, that your word is revealed to us by your spirit. And we depend entirely, Father, upon your spirit to reveal and instruct and teach, Father, not upon our own intellect and our education and our background, our history, Father. Re revelation comes from heaven, Father, not from the mind of man. And so we thank you for that, Father. We look forward to hearing from the Spirit of God what he has to say to us each and every day. We give you praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Welcome all the uh, folks watching us on, on um, live streaming there. And um, if you're there, let us know. I think you can go in the comments and say we're here. Let us know that you're there. Um, sometimes we kind of uh, we can kind of tell the number of people that watch, but you know it's nice to know uh, the specific people that are watching. Um, a lot of folks watch it after the fact, so I, I think once it's uh, no longer live, they can't add comments to it, can they? You know, I don't even know. I haven't tried because uh, I'm always over on this side of things, right? So, <clears throat> but um, uh, Chris usually gets a chance to watch it even if she's traveling. So right now, let's see, they're they're three hours behind us, I think, or two, they're two hours behind us, right? Mountain time. So the two hours behind us, so it's uh, five o'clock there for her time, and so she'll be going to dinner about now, and so, um, so she'll get to watch it after the fact there, and so, um, but um, uh, let's open our Bible, the book of Philippians chapter three, we'll continue there today. Of course, we were out last week, we were down in Miami, uh, with the conference down there, and um, all that went well. Got to meet some great people there that we didn't know before, and so um, it was good to, to be down there uh, with those folks uh, for a couple of days last week there. Uh, and so we had gotten down to um, um, verse 10, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and how that according to the head of the church, the design of the church is that we are supposed to be endued with power. That word power here uh, and also referenced in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the supernatural miracle working power. So it's not just uh, power, you know, uh, to overcome sin or to, to uh, live a life of faith. It's a power to destroy the works of the enemy. Amen. The Bible says in First John, I think it's First John, that Jesus came to destroy the works of, of the devil. Well, you know, he didn't destroy all the works of the devil primarily because he was only located in one nation. He left the, the completion of that work to the church, that it's our job to destroy the works of the devil. And really, uh, it, uh, specifically, it's to destroy the works of the devil in people's lives. And so, you know, the devil is here. The Bible calls him the God of this world. He has a, um, a right to be here until the end of time uh, when the Lord decides that it's time for, to uh, button everything up and to take care of all those things. He will no longer have a, a legal right to be on the earth. But he's here because men allow him to be here and they want him to be here. And so he will remain here on the earth in general. <clears throat> but, you know, the thing, that, the thing that's nice about the power of God, and I don't think the church has really understood this, this uh, concept well enough, that uh, in dealing with the demonic forces in people's lives, that uh, every human being is created by God with a, a sovereign will. That means you get to choose everything you do. I mean, you get to choose to follow God, you get to choose not to follow God. 
And of course, if you're an intelligent human being, you would choose to follow God, right? There's no reason why you wouldn't follow God. But there's rebellion in the world, and <clears throat> it was originated by, by the devil. His, his first act of sin was rebellion. I want to do what I want to do. Uh, and um, pretty much nothing has changed. Uh, but anytime a human being chooses to change who they follow, so if they've been following the devil for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 99 and a half years, if they wake up one day and say, I'm going to choose to follow the Lord, it doesn't really matter what the devil has, has got them uh, into, they can get out of that. Now, they may need some assistance. If you remember the story with Mark chapter 5 uh, in the Gadarene demoniac, you know, they crossed the sea and they landed on the shore and the demoniac came to Jesus and fell down and worshipped him. Well, that was really all Jesus needed to know is that this man uh, wants help. And, of course, he had a legion of dev devils, right? Thousands of devils in him. And yet Jesus cast him out, right? He cast him into the swine. There's 2,000 swine. They all died, so there's probably at least 2,000 devils that was in this man. That's a lot of devils. I don't know how you cram that many devils into a single human being. But, you know, they couldn't hold him with chains, right? I mean, he, he was supernatural in strength. Uh, he, he cried night and day, uh, cut himself, you know, had a lot of demonic uh, activity going on in his life. Yet one spark of desire from him was all that God needed to do to, to release him from the works of the enemy. Uh, and so there's no work of the enemy that the church doesn't have the capacity to destroy in someone's life. It doesn't matter how big, how steep, you know, and I don't know that there's ever been, and maybe there has been, but, but I, you know, it, it, there's a good chance that nobody has ever, has ever um, <clears throat> yielded themselves to the, to the level that that man did to the devil. Uh, and so and maybe they have, you know, I, of course, I, I don't know every single demonic person in the world, of course, uh, but it was a, it was a significant um, situation, right? It was a situation where this man had, had uh, yielded himself entirely, spirit, soul, and body, to the devil. And yet one spark of desire, I don't want this anymore, was all God needed to do to send Jesus in and, and to get him free. Amen? Now, in that case, Jesus did have to spend a little more time with him than other times. But it wasn't, you know, in our church, sometimes we'll spend, not our church physically here, but in the church world today, sometimes we'll spend hours and hours trying to cast the devil out of somebody. And I'm not sure that that's, that's uh, really effective if it takes that long to do it. Uh, there must be something else going on in that situation. But, uh, you know, that was a, a slightly more, not significantly more, but a slightly more difficult situation to resolve for Jesus. And yet he still resolved it, didn't he? Uh, it was pretty straightforward for him. He just figured out what to do. Uh, he told them to leave. They left. The man was perfectly fine. And actually, um, if you look in, uh, in other uh, Gospels, you find that a revival was started uh, because of him. Jesus said he wanted to go follow Jesus. He said, no, go, go back to your house and tell him what good things the Lord has done for you. And, of course, that's what he did. And then there's a revival that broke out because of that because of a supernatural intervention in someone's life. And so, you know, I believe that that's, that's the desire of God. Amen. And, we, of course, we've heard that there's uh, some revivals going on in college campuses. And that's, uh, of course, you're always happy for any revival. Amen. And these uh, young people are wanting to pray. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, any time that uh, men are, are drawn back to prayer, the Lord has the ability to move. Amen. Uh, and so... But it's God's best, God's desire that, uh, that the church moves in this supernatural power to destroy the works of the enemy, primarily in people's lives, amen? And really in any situation where 
uh, where the devil could be a hindrance to the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so it could be, uh, he said, speak to the mountain. So if there's, there could be physical things. I think I told you the story of the church down in Miami <clears throat> that uh, they couldn't build on it because the land was condemned. And um, literally, Brother Hagin cast the devil out of, the, out of that land. The devils had taken up uh, 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 habitation in, the, in that soil. And how does that work? I don't know. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, Jesus said the rocks can cry out if we don't cry out. So, I mean, there's, it's part of creation. And no doubt the devil has some insight into how creation works, maybe even more so than humanity does. Uh, and so those devils had gotten into that soil and basically made it cursed. And, and so, of course, the EPA doesn't have a, a vial for testing curses, do they? Uh, and so whatever, ram of, whatever uh, influence that, that spiritual uh, demonic powers had, had some influence in the natural realm that it came back as being uh, condemned and they couldn't build on it. So, <clears throat> but Brother Hagin cast the devils out. Uh, the land was cleared and uh, they were able to build on it. So that's God's desire, amen? And really it should be uh, multiple times, especially in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, three different times in the book of Corinthians, Paul instructed the church to desire spiritual gifts, amen? And that's, that's, there's nine spiritual gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we should desire all nine spiritual gifts to be a manifestation in our church, amen? Not so much, well, Lord, I want this one, I want that one. It's not so much about, Lord, I, I want this spiritual gift. That's a bit selfish uh, because Paul never says for the individual because he wrote the, uh, the epistle to the church. So the church should desire, Lord, we want your gifts to move and operate in our church. And, and of course, you know, nothing wrong with saying, Lord, you know, if you want to use me, that's great. <clears throat> I will make myself available to you. Uh, and, and that's perfectly fine, amen. Uh, but that should be our desire. Lord, we want spiritual gifts, amen. Now, that's, that's where... Uh, <clears throat> that, that's where the church will have the greatest impact in people's lives when we have access to and yielding to the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit because it's more than just salvation, it's deliverance as well and, and supernatural healing, amen? And we're thankful for uh, revivals of salvation, but we want revivals of, of uh, not only just demonstration, but the demonstration is only a means to an end, that we want a revival of where people are delivered, Amen delivered from their past, delivered from the bondage that they're in. And, and a lot of that gets taken care of automatically as part of the salvation experience, but not all of it, amen? <clears throat> Some of it may have to be dealt with by the supernatural power of God. And, and so that's God's best. That's what he, he is the head of the church designed for the church, and we should all long for that, amen? And when people say that the time for miracles has passed, then they don't understand. I mean, it's amazing how they can miss such a huge plan of the head of the church, that his, his entire plan was for the church to be supernatural and to yield the supernatural spectacular gifts, uh, and yet they say that healing has been done away with. And Well, what has he replaced it with? With a doctor? With, with uh, pills? With expensive insurance? I mean, what's, you know, when he went from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Bible says that we have a, a, a better covenant based upon better promises. Well, if better it means, you know, if I got a better car uh, and my new car, it gets worse gas mileage, it runs worse, it's smaller, uh, it won't start all the time, but it's better. How is it better? It's not better. Well, but, well, but just because you say it's better, <clears throat> it has to be demonstrably better, right? It has to, well, well, show me what's better about it, right? Give me, the, give me the list of things that's better. 
uh, and said, well, it's got a better uh, air freshener. Okay, we'll give you that, right? Uh, and so you know, we, we want, when it, means, when it says better, <clears throat> that's exactly what it means, right? Better is better. Uh, and, and that's what God wants us to have today. So Paul said, I want to know him <clears throat> and the power of his resurrection uh, and the fellowship of his suffering. So we're super excited about that second phrase right there, right? The fellowship of his sufferings. That fellowship means participation in his sufferings. Uh, and so, uh, of course, we've been around here long enough. We know that uh, what types of sufferings will the church experience as far as, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's, and, and I've talked to the Lord about this uh, too. One of these days I will find a, what I think is the best way to describe this because uh, most of the time people say, well, the sufferings are what God allows in your life. I'm not really a fan of that particular uh, statement because that implies that when God allows it, he looked at the situation and said, well, I could disallow it, but I'm going to choose to allow it. And that's, you know, that's not really, that's not really the best way to do it, you know. Uh, oftentimes that phrase is used when, when bad things happen to people, and I'm saying bad things usually as a result of, of sin or missing uh, the mark of the Lord, and people say, well, God allowed this thing to happen to them. You know, if it's a situation like that where, where your sin really opened up to the door to the devil and the devil came in and did something in your life, sickness and disease or harm or, you know, whatever thing that, that uh, was caused that was initiated by you missing, uh, missing the mark and stepping outside the will of God, that's not really God allowing it, right? That, and in fact, that's, a, that's, a, that's an <clears throat> incorrect use of that term entirely because it's not God allowing it or, or not allowing it. It's uh, he allowed you to have a free will. And if you choose to go follow the devil, even as a Christian, which plenty of Christians do, God's not allowing those things to happen in your life. You've allowed those things to happen in life, right? The, uh, Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place or license to the devil. So if you're doing things, you know, that are sinful, that are just entirely out of the will of God on purpose, and you know they're out of the will of God on purpose, and you're going to do it anyway, and then, you know, something happens, it's not always guaranteed if you do something wrong, something immediately bad is going to happen to you. Amen? And so... You can't look at a situation and say, well, this bad thing happened, therefore I must be in sin. People do that all the time and they get out of, they get out of uh, correct doctrine because when we go through the Gospels and look at all the, the stories of healings, some of the healings were, or some of the sicknesses were due to sin, right? The man at the pool of Bethesda, uh, Jesus told the man, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. So uh, it implies that his original sickness was due to some sin he committed in the past uh, but then other ones, like the, like the man that was born blind in John chapter 9, and they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, nobody sinned. It just happened. Why did it happen? Because things happen, right? Thing in the natural realm, uh, it's not a perfect uh, situation because sin has touched every aspect of the natural realm. And sometimes that sin <clears throat> causes things get twisted out of, out of whack, and, and that would include the DNA of parents. And uh, So when they have children, they're not perfectly... Uh, healthy as they ought to be, uh, and and sometimes it's because uh, it could be because of sin, but sometimes it just happens because it happens. Amen. But you know, prayer can overcome that, of course, and and we can protect in that. And that's why we pray for people that are pregnant with children that everything goes well and baby is born healthy, and and so we can override whatever limitations there are in the natural realm by our prayer and faith. Uh, and so, so I mean, that's one aspect of suffering, but that's not what what Paul is talking about here because he says the fellowship of his sufferings, right? The fellowship or the participation in the sufferings of Jesus. 
So uh, was there any sufferings that Jesus experienced because he was in sin? Well, no, because he obviously never sinned, right? So, so that kind of does away with <clears throat> all that stuff over there, right? All that stuff that people say, well, you know, I made my bed hard, I'm going to lie in it. You know, I, I started a sin, I've been in unforgiveness, and so, you know, this, this, uh, <clears throat> this sickness has come upon me because of that. And I'm suffering for Jesus. No, suffering for Jesus is not uh, uh, begun with sin. Amen. No, we don't suffer for Jesus because of sin. Uh, and so, uh, but then we look at, uh, you have to go and look at, uh, since he said his fellowship of his sufferings, you go and look at then the Gospels and find out, well, what sufferings did Jesus do, right? That, we, that we're supposed to follow in his, in his, uh, uh, in his plan, right? Well, uh, I mean, some of it, some of the suffering that he did, uh, he did as the Lamb of God, right? The perfect sacrifice. And so, if he suffered as the Lamb of God, it's a perfect sacrifice, and, and died and shed blood to pay for the sins of the world, is that something that you, that you need to do? How, how would you add to that? How would you uh, participate in that? What value would it be if you died and shed blood uh, for someone else? Well, there wouldn't be any, any uh, value in doing that for somebody else in the sense that your death purchased their uh, forgiveness, for example. Amen? So, so there is suffering that Jesus did that we will never have to do because he was our substitution. Amen? Uh, in fact, uh, just uh, turn over to John chapter 15. <clears throat> and so, we, you know, we like this verse because we like to be martyrs sometimes, right? Anybody uh, signing up to be a martyr today? <clears throat> you know, there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no requirement that they can be martyrs. You know, Jesus said that there will be martyrs, right? That there will be people who die on behalf of the, of, the, uh, uh, of the gospel. But he never said there was something that you have to do, Amen. Did he die as a martyr in the sense of, of uh, I mean, he was a, uh, the sacrificial lamb, but uh, when, I, when I'm saying died as a martyr, <clears throat> did he die in such a way that wasn't his plan? And, it, you know, nobody plans on being a martyr, right? Uh, and so it just happens, right? James was martyred in the book of Acts, for example. Was it James? Yeah, I'm going to die for the Lord. <clears throat> well... Wouldn't he have been better off staying on the earth as a, an apostle of the Lamb, as a witness? Wasn't his job to be a witness of the work of the Lord Jesus? It's hard to be a witness for the work of the Lord Jesus if you're not here. And so, you know, really in that sense, James was unable to complete his full work on the earth because his life was cut short by being a martyr. Uh, and so, no, it, uh, Jesus wasn't really a martyr in the, in the traditional sense. He chose to do what he did, right? He chose the timing. He chose the method. He chose the place, you know, and uh, all the circumstances. It was his plan. It was just being executed by somebody else, amen, uh, as, they, as they tortured him. <clears throat> uh, and so what, what type of suffering uh, must we go through? Well, sometimes we, we let's read here in, um, in John chapter 15, <clears throat> verse, let's start at verse 12. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And of course, that word love there is the agape love. And so even though he commanded them to do this, they were unable to complete this task until they were born again and had the love of God shed abroad in their hearts uh, because they could love with a brotherly love, but they didn't really have the capacity to love like this yet. Uh, and then he says in verse 13, greater love is no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. <clears throat> and so 
people read that verse and they think, okay, uh, the greatest love is, is if I'll take a bullet for you or fall on a grenade for you or, you know, whisk you out in front of a, of a, of a speeding car and take the hit instead of you. That's what people think of when they read this verse, right? I'm going to die physically for your behalf. But, <clears throat> I mean, there's, of course, there's a lot of reasons why that's not true. But what value would it be in you doing that? I mean, you, you've replaced your death, I mean, their death with your death, and in that part, they're probably pretty happy about it. But what have you? Uh, what uh, are you no longer able to do on the earth? Whatever you are called to do on the earth, Amen. And so, if you leave this earth early, then whatever you did, um, <clears throat> it was uh, uh, whatever you're supposed to do. It's no longer going to be accomplished, Amen. Uh, and so, <clears throat> um, so when it says, "Greater love is no man than this," the man would lay down his life for his friends. Of course, we've studied this plenty of times before, but it's always, I think it's always good to read this in the context. That word life there, greater love, so that word love there is agape, has no man that is a man that would lay down his life. What, well, what word is that life? Anybody know? All the times we've heard this verse taught, right? Let's sit here long. Let's see how long we stay, right? It's the word suke, right? It's the word suke is the, is the oftentimes it's translated as soul. Uh, but very often it's translated as life as well. <clears throat> and, and, you know, part of it was the translators didn't really make a distinction between spirit and li- or soul and life, and a lot of times they interchanged them. And, and really, if you would go through uh, the Gospels, especially the Gospels, but also the Epistles, uh, Jesus says a lot about your soul. What, uh, what profit of a man if he gained the whole world and, and lose his what? Lose his soul. That word soul there is the same word life here. And so, uh, when you're talking about your soul, uh, you know, the man is a spirit, soul, and body, amen? Uh, with the spirit, we contact the spirit realm. With the, with the body, we contact the, the natural realm, right, with our fivefold senses. And so, what's left is beyond the spirit realm and the natural realm, the physical realm, is the intellectual realm, amen? And so, what's, what's that entail? Well, it entails our, uh, our mind, our will, and our emotions is all wrapped up in the soul. And that's why Jesus said what... What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? He didn't say, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his spirit? He said, lose his soul. So how do you lose your soul? What happens if you die and, and you have never accepted the Lord Jesus? Where do you go? You go to the bad place, right? You go to, uh, well, you just say you go to Stuckey's, but, you know, that's not, uh, that's not really the place where you go. You go to hell, right? The place of damnation, eternal torture, and, and so... So whose choice was it to go there? It was your choice, right? It wasn't God's choice, it was your choice. He said, here's a way to get out of it. Everybody's uh, heading in that same direction, but here's a way to get off that, uh, that interstate and change your course and direction. <clears throat> and so, uh, but uh, if you lose your soul by dying outside of the Lord Jesus, does that mean you no longer have a soul? I mean, you've lost it like you don't no longer have it, or you've lost it like it's died and no longer exists. No, it's not what he's talking about. He's, he's talking about uh, if, you, if you lose your soul, uh, it's really the root of that, the, the, the primary aspect of that is to lose your will, right? Lose your ability to make a choice. So you still have a choice, right? Anybody in hell want to stay in hell? If you could take a poll, anybody want to go down to hell and take a poll? Nobody wants to go to hell and take a poll, right? But if you could go down to hell and take a poll, how many of you all want to leave? nobody's going to go, I'm, I'm pretty good. Nobody's going to say that. Everybody's going to go, you know, I want out of here. So what does that mean? That means that their will is to leave. 
and yet are they able to express that will? Well, they can't express that will, amen? And so they've lost the ability to execute their will. Amen, they still have a will, still have a desire, but they are unable to fulfill that desire. Now, we go to heaven, you can fulfill all your desires, amen? You want to help anybody, uh, be a blessing to anybody, you know, do what, fellowship with anybody, you know, within the confines of the Word of God, obviously, uh, and it'd be a lot easier there. We won't have the sin nature to deal with, uh, but um, uh, you, you've lost your ability to execute your will if you stay outside the Lord, which is funny because people think that they're the most free when they're not in the Word, when they're, mo they're most free when they're not in church, which is really funny because, not funny, it's funny sad, the, the greatest freedom you'll ever have is serving the Lord. Amen? And, and people go, it's not freedom to serve the Lord. Well, you're either serving the Lord or you're serving the devil. Uh, you know, anybody had good bosses versus bad bosses? We've all probably had good bosses versus bad bosses, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, I was thinking about um, uh, John Wesley. They said, aren't you scared of the devil? He said, no, I've been married to his sister for a lot of years, you know. Uh, well, you know, see, he wasn't scared of the devil because, you know, he'd been with the, the devil's sister all the time. It really wasn't his, obviously, the devil's sister, but his wife was, was terribly mean to him. Uh, and so uh, they think of the most free by doing whatever their mind wants them to do. But, you know, you're the most free when you do whatever your spirit wants you to do. Amen? If people can make that distinction, understand that they have a spirit, uh, whether it's born again or not born again, but if, the, if, their spirits, if, it's, if their spirit is not born again, their spirits long to know God because it was, it was printed in their heart by God. God spoke and breathed their breath of the spirit into their life. And so it has his fingerprint on it. Amen. It was alive to God. At one point in time, it knows what it's like to be alive unto God. And it longs to be back like that, like it was perfectly free. <clears throat> you know, they talk about the innocence of a child. Well, the reason why we say that, a child, the God, and it knows what it's like to be in perfect freedom. And for all of their natural life, every human being will, will desire and long for that. Even if they bury it and, uh, and put it under, you know, a ton of bricks and a ton of dirt and a ton of sin, that spirit still wants to be free to know God. Uh, now, they'll say that, they'll lie and say that they don't, but that's their mind saying that, amen? It's, not the, it's their flesh saying that, it's not their spirit saying that. If you could, if you could get through their, through their mind and, and, and over their physical bodies and the flesh that they, that they live in and get into their spirit man, which, of course, you know, that would be kind of weird if you could do that, but if you could, if you could get and, and ask their spirit man, what do you want to do? Every human being on the earth was, I, I desire to worship the most high God. They would all say that. Uh, and so, so here in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life. He's not talking about being a martyr here. He's not talking about suffering for the Lord. He's, he's simply talking about uh, when you, because you have a free will, when you choose to lay down what you want to do, what your will wants to do, for the benefit of somebody else, Jesus said that's the greatest love that, that you can have. Uh, when you say, you know, there's things that I would like to do, but instead of doing those things, I'm going I'm to help you instead. You know, it, it's not great love when you go, when someone says, hey, can you help me? Well, I've got nothing else going on. I'll, I'll be glad to help you. I mean, it's great that they do that, but Jesus didn't say that was great help. If you've got nothing else to do and you help anyway, you know, that, that's great and, and it's necessary and helpful. But Jesus said it's greater love when, when you could be doing this thing over here, And you desire to do this thing over here, and someone needs help, say, well, I'll, I'll do that later. Maybe you'll never even do it because you, you go help somebody else. That is great love. 
<clears throat> when you lay down your will. And that's really what Jesus showed on the cross. It wasn't so much that he gave his physical life for the, for the benefit of the church. You know, the, the greatest struggle that Jesus had in going to the cross was the knowledge that he would no longer be in, in direct fellowship with God the Father for a period of time. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the pain and the agony of the cross. It wasn't the shame of the cross. In fact, the Bible says he despised the shame. It's like, he, like it's nothing, right? Uh, that's not even a big deal. <clears throat> In fact, Peter, uh, the, the, the um, uh, tradition goes that when Peter w- was killed, he was crucified, and he said, I'm unworthy to be crucified like my master was crucifying me upside down because he, you know, uh, he didn't want to be crucified and, and say, well, I'm just like Jesus. I was crucified like Jesus. He's, I'm unworthy to be crucified like that. So if Peter could go to that with, with uh, bravery, surely Jesus went to the cross with, with, as a brave person, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't concerned so much about, <clears throat> about uh, the, the physical aspect of the, of the cross experience. It was, uh, Lord, I don't want to be separated from you. I have been with you for all eternity. I've never known a day, a minute, a second without your sweet presence in my life. And you think about that. I mean, we may go for days or weeks or months, right? Some Christians may go for years without knowing the presence of the Lord, right? They go to some user-friendly church. They don't really worship God. You know, they don't really uh, do the word. They're just getting a check mark, you know, and not really having much of a relationship with the Lord. They may never really know his presence like you could, amen? Uh, and, And so... Jesus never experienced that. He never knew what it was like to, to be separated from God. And that was his great struggle. That's John 15, 13. Greater love is no man that a man would lay down what he wants to do for the benefit of his friends. Jesus laid down what he wanted to do, which was to stay in fellowship with God, the Father, for all eternity. That's what he wanted to do. That's all he wanted to do, was to stay in fellowship with the Lord. There, in fact, nothing else mattered to him other than that. Uh, and so that in... in um, Matthew 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane, that was his struggle. Not as my will, but as thy will be done. Amen? Uh, and that was a big struggle. If you could ever appreciate the struggle that Jesus had in that decision, you'll understand John 15, 13 better. Amen? Uh, so John 15, 13 is not talking about you dying physically for somebody else. That's a moment of time, and it's, it would be a terrible loss if somebody did that. Uh, but that's not the greatest love that Jesus had. The greatest love is when you look at a situation and say, I choose to, to help you instead of helping me. I choose you instead of me. Uh, and Jesus said, that's great love, amen? So, so this, uh, uh, back to uh, Philippians chapter 3, that suffering that, Jesus was ta- that Paul was talking about is, uh, is aligned with the suffering that Jesus did. So what kind of suffering did Jesus actually do? So we know the answer to these questions. Did Jesus suffer an- under any uh, physical sickness? No. So if he, if he never suffered under physical sickness, then are we required to, fit, to suffer under any physical sickness? No, we are not. Because our fellowship of his sufferings, then that's the list, right? Whatever sufferings he, he suffered, then that's, that, then that's what, uh, what we suffered. What, what about um, um, uh, abject poverty? I know uh, 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 Paul wrote later on, or earlier than Philippians, that, uh, uh, that he was... He was uh, he was rich, was made poor so that we might be rich. So when Jesus was made poor, <clears throat> how poor is poor? Well, poor is relative, right? Uh, poor compared to uh, heaven, everybody's poor compared to heaven. 
what about Bill Gates, you know? Uh, I think Elon Musk every now and then he's, uh, Bill Gates used to be at the top of the list, but Elon Musk has made it to the top of the list on occasion. And he's worth a couple hundred billion dollars, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, how rich is, is, is uh, Mr. Musk compared to uh, heaven? Dirt poor, right? I mean, just, he's just dirt poor, not even, not even close, right? I mean, it's not even, he's not even on the radar. If you go to heaven, you get the Forbes 500 list in heaven. You know, if you get the Forbes 5 billion list in heaven, Elon Musk wouldn't make it, right? He's not, he's not that wealthy. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so when Jesus was made poor, but it says that he made poor so we could be rich, so then we can be rich, amen? People talk about the poorness of Jesus, but what about the riches of us, amen? But Jesus was made poor. In other words, he laid aside his great riches of heaven to come down to a limited earth life. And yet he had a staff of 12. He had a, an accountant that went with him everywhere he went. He had to fund not only the staff of 12, but their families and children. Amen. It was, they left everything. Remember, uh, Peter, James, and John were fishermen. Uh, did, they, did they fish on weekends and, and make a little supplementary income? No, uh, they, they didn't have any supplementary income. They depended on Jesus for their sustenance. He had to pay them and take care of them in whatever capacity. We see the, just the one simple example when they paid taxes. Remember, Jesus said, go down, Peter, and, and throw, a, throw, uh, throw a line in the, in the lake there and catch a fish and pay our taxes. Uh, and Peter didn't come up with that on his own. <clears throat> Jesus helped him do that, amen? Uh, and so, so, you know, when, when we say Jesus was poor, you know, you've got, to, uh, you've got to quantify that because the Bible never says he was poor and had zero dollars, right? That he was poor and couldn't afford food or he's poor and couldn't afford clothes you know jesus in fact on the cross uh what did they do with his clothes they cast lots for his clothes well who's going to cast lots for a poor person's clothes nobody's going to do that right so what was well the, the the his clothes his tunic that he was wearing was seamless which was really expensive to make right it was very expensive uh, material and so people say, well you know jesus would never wear something really nice he wore something nice enough for the Roman soldiers to cast lots for it, right? Uh, and so, it's not a class on, on prosperity or, or the provisions of the Lord, but, um, you know, you, we, we, should, uh, we should be careful of, of uh, people love to, to come up with uh, ideas about how God is and how God wants us all to be poor. But again, we're supposed to suffer like Jesus suffered, not suffer like the world suffered, Amen. The world's suffering and poverty. Well, didn't Jesus say, give to him who has need? In fact, he said, give to everyone who has need, right? Didn't he say that? Work with your own hands, you know, that you might have give to, to all who have need. <clears throat> How many poor people are giving to other people who have need? They're the ones who need to be given to, amen? You've got to give. That's why we have to give to them, because they don't have it on their own, right? Nobody, there's no scripture that says, go find the richest man in town and give him some money. Why would he do that? You don't need to do that. He already has money, amen? So the people that we give to primarily in that regards where we've got to help people who, who are lacking is because their income is lacking and, and maybe it's a short period of time, maybe it's their, their lifestyle. In fact, Jesus said you'll always have the poor with you. So will there ever be a time frame when there's not poor people in the church? No, there's never going to be a time. Now, is it God's best that there's not? There is, because even in the book of Deuteronomy, he said uh, when you go into the promised land and and... Uh, there is no poor person among you. And then he says, and then he says, well, there'll be some poor uh, people that are poor, uh, that are poor among you. And then he says, there'll always be poor people among you. But ideally, he said, there'll be no poor person among you. And he said, then you can lend to the nations. 
you know, because you don't have to lend to your own nation because you don't need it. You don't need the income. Amen. You can lend to other nations. So, you know, there's a lot of things like that, that uh, if we could get our, our thinking straight, that we would do away with that type of suffering. Because if he said go into all the world and preach the gospel, well, how are you going to get to go to all the world and preach the gospel? I mean, even back then they had to, you know, have clothes or food or, you know, something, right, to, to go and, uh, and do the gospel. Of course, one time Jesus would go without any money, but the other time he said, now go and take, take money with you, right? Go and take, uh, and so, uh, and it's okay to expect to live by the gospel. Now, for Paul, if you look at his writings, uh, many times he talks about how, you know, I could have received an offering from you, but I chose not to. Uh, I, I worked with my own hands uh, so that I can provide this uh, gospel to you for free. But he still had an income, right? He, he just earned it himself. Instead of receiving it from the gospel, the work of the gospel, he received it by his own uh, hard work. And so was Paul poor like that? I mean, he was able to, to uh, uh, have a, a large staff. Right? How many friends does Paul talk about traveling with? Titus and Timothy and Philemon and, and Epaphroditus and, and uh, I mean, a bunch of people, right? You know that they look to him for sustenance on occasion and support uh, financially on occasion. So, you know, when people think that, that one of the ways that Jesus suffered was being poor, that's not even on the list as far as I can tell. Just looking at the Word of God and the experiences that Jesus had, that wasn't on the list. Uh, but what was consistently on the list? What type of suffering did Jesus experience that was almost all the time? It's persecution, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and the thing about it was, how much persecution did he experience from uh, the Roman Empire? Almost none, right? I mean, Pilate, if you want to consider Pilate, but Pilate tried to get, get him free, right? Pilate's like, well, let him go. He ain't done nothing wrong. And, of course, the, the, the uh, high priests and the, uh, <clears throat> the people cried out, you know, um, you know kill him, right? Let, let, the, let the murderer Barabbas go and, and, uh, and uh, crucify Jesus. <clears throat> and so, uh, essentially, he, he experienced almost no... Uh, suffering uh, by uh, the world, amen? It doesn't mean that we, we won't suffer by the world. You know, we do suffer by the world uh, because uh, if you look at our ministry versus the ministry of Jesus, Jesus' ministry was primarily, uh, in fact, it was entirely constrained within the confines of the Jewish nation. So he never really went to the world, did he? He didn't have to go outside of the world. He never tried to proselytize you know, the Roman Empire, even the, the people that were there, you know, he had some Roman soldiers come to him, like the centurion, uh, but as far as Jesus going out and trying to proselytize them, he never did, and, and we have to understand that that was a time frame, that that was his role, right? He said, I, I came, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So his ministry was specifically limited to the house of Israel, so, uh, so all, almost without exception, all of his suffering was, was, uh, due to persecution from the religious leadership, amen? Now, the sinners, those who, you know, backslidden, they were backslidden Jews, they were all for Jesus, right? They all loved Jesus. You know, you hang around sinners and, and publicans, right? Tax collectors. <clears throat> uh, and that made all the Pharisees really mad that he would do that. Uh, and so, um, for, so for Jesus, uh, to, uh, the suffering that he did was, was primarily put upon by the church. In, in our lives, because we are sent not only to the world, or you know, we are also sent to assist the church, right? The, the fivefold ministry gifts, specifically the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, 
uh, we, we are primarily, I'm, I'm a pastor, right? We are primarily uh, to minister to the church, right? Because he said he gave gifts unto men. He gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher for the perfecting of the what? Of the saints, right? So not perfecting of the world. We don't perfect the world. We just got to get the world born again, but we perfect the saints, right? So pr- our primary, our first responsibility as a five, in the office of the pastor is to the church of the Lord Jesus, amen? Now, when I step outside these doors and I'm not a pastor, I'm a Christian like everybody else. I go into all the world and preach the gospel. Inside the church building here, uh, I'm a pastor and my responsibility is primarily uh, and, and really exclusively in that role uh, to the church. <clears throat> uh, when I go out into the world and I, and I interact with the world, then, then really I'm a Christian like everybody else, amen? And in that, you know, then I do, I do minister to the world to get them born again. Uh, and so, so, so our ministry is slightly different than the ministry of Jesus, right? Ours is, is greatly expanded into all the world. Jesus was limited to a specific geographical location on the earth. Uh, so in that, we will then experience uh, persecution from, from two locations, amen? Jesus primarily experienced uh, persecution from one location, which was the Jewish uh, leadership. We will experience it both from the world, right? Because the world hates God and and the devil hates God, and, and uh, there's plenty of people in the world who, who will die in their last breath. They'll be cursing God, amen? And they'll wake up in hell uh, and be really sad about that. So we'll, we will be persecuted by the world, but, you know, nothing's changed. We will also be persecuted by religious devils, amen, inside the church. And, and especially the more that you desire to walk by faith, the more that you will suffer persecution, amen? The more that you desire to walk by the word, the more you will suffer persecution. And it's been my experience, and not just observation, but my experience, that the more unyielding you are to, to uh, the more unwilling you are to, to yield to things that are not biblical, the more the church will hate you. <clears throat> and the church just despises anybody who just won't go along to get along. When you say, oh, I, you know, I can't do that. They'll look at you like, you know, like you're some religious zealot, or, you know, you're this, you know, uh, th- there were times when, when I would go uh, and just, you know, before church, uh, when, when I was with my pastor, I'd go up and just, you know, some guys were up at the front of the church talking. I'd go up there. And they were telling vulgar jokes. <clears throat> uh, and um, in, in what world would that be acceptable? Would you use those, would you tell those jokes to your mother? And would you tell them to the Lord Jesus in prayer? Hey, Jesus came to pray to you. Hey, I've got a great joke for you, you know. And then you, would you do that? Nobody would do that, right? It's embarrassing even to think about it. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so I'd go up there and they'd start, you know, telling a dirty joke or, you know, a vulgar joke. And I would, you know, I would excuse myself. I'd say, well, I hear my mother calling or I'm not old enough for this conversation, you know, and, and I would leave. <clears throat> and I would kind of do it, you know, in a lighthearted way. Uh, but then they would, they would come to me and say, you, you know, you think you're so, uh, that you're more spiritual than all of us. You think you're better than us. Well, that's persecution. I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't rebuke them. I didn't say, you know, the Bible says don't have coarse jesting, right? You know, which is that what, exactly what that means, right? Nothing wrong with jesting, right? Having, you know, telling a, a joke. Uh, but, <clears throat> um, you know, there's plenty of clean jokes, amen? Uh, you know, I mean, the only one I ever know that I think of off the top of my head is the same one Chris has, you know, which is uh, what does Winnie the Pooh and, and John the Baptist uh, have in common? Anybody know? You all know, right? I've told this joke plenty of times, right? What's that? <laughs> they got the same middle name. 
<laughs> y'all got to think about that for a while. It's like, okay, uh, we'll pause here for just a minute. Y'all think about it. And, and so, uh, so, you know, I mean, it's not even a great joke, right? I mean, it's like, you know, about a, about a level four joke, right? Uh, and that's probably being generous. But um, so, so they would say, um, uh, you know, you think you're better than us. Well, anytime that you're, you know, look, I, you don't have to run around like the sheriff of the body of Christ and say, you know, you're wrong and you're wrong and you shouldn't be telling dirty jokes. And you should be, that's not our job, amen. That's not, and I didn't make it my job. I, you know, I just, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be around that. You know, things like that and, and, and prideful people that are really prideful about what they do and, and say and just, it's all about them. Really people that are trying to receive glory into themselves. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't, I just, you know, like the rank sinner. I could be around a rank sinner easier than a religious Christian. Amen. Just because the ranks, at least they're honest, right? There's no, there's no pretense. I mean, I'm a sinner, you know, whatever, you know, uh, fine. Hey, yeah, let's talk about God. All right, you know, I don't know anything about him, but, you know, they may not even let you talk about God. Uh, but, um, you know, some of these religious people. Uh, and so, you know, Brother Hagen told one of the great stories. I was uh, out this many years ago. I was out mowing the yard, and um, so I had my headphones on to listen to the story of Brother Hagen. <clears throat> and... and um, it was a great story. In fact, I started laughing at the story uh, as he was telling a story. And Chris could hear me laugh because I've got my headphones on. You know when you get the headphones on, you, you can't really know, you don't really know how loud you are, right? So I'm laughing. I'm really hoarse laughing. <clears throat> She's like, looking out the window. Are you okay? <laughs> and so, uh, but the story, he was visiting, you know, uh, someone's house. And, um, <clears throat> and the wife said, Brother Hagen, I've got a revelation I wanted to run by you. And, you know, that's always, that's always a big landmine right there, right? Because what are you going to do? They tell you, you know, uh, some crazy story. I know when I was in college, I had a good friend of mine. We were really good friends for, for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden he got involved in the Jesus Only Movement. You ever heard of the Jesus Only Movement? The Jesus Only Movement says there's no God the Father, no Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Only. And it's, it's I mean, like, you got to really... I mean, you've got to really ignore, like, all the Bible to come up with that. Because Jesus didn't say, didn't he pray to the Father? You know, our Father which art in heaven. Well, where was Jesus when he said, our Father which art in heaven? He was on the earth. So how could he be talking about the Father on, on, on heaven when he's on the earth? I mean, it just, there's so many, I don't even know how an intellectual, an intelligent human being could, could fall for that. Amen? If you've ever read the Bible at all. Uh, you know, some doctors like, okay, maybe, you know, we can see it kind of two different ways. That's not one of them. Amen. <clears throat> and, and um, you know, he was in my Bible. I, I ran a Bible study as part of our, our Christian organization. And um, <clears throat> he was coming to my Bible study, been there for, you know, for a year or two. And, um, and then I found out he's got a hold of his Jesus only movement. <clears throat> and he said, uh, he said, I want my fair time in, in Bible study to tell about this. And I said, no, you're not getting that because you're crazy, right? I mean, I didn't say that, but, but uh, he said, well, you know, uh, Paul submitted himself to the elders uh, at Jerusalem. Yeah, but you're not one of those. You know? And so, uh, so he never did get to, to spill his lies to, to our Bible study. And, and so he separated from, from me, right? I didn't separate from him. He separated from me. Uh, and... Um, you know, one other time, when it was the same Christian organization. Uh, I was responsible for uh, the weekly meeting. So we had, it, at, at that point in time, it was one of the largest, if maybe the largest organization, not just Christian organization, but uh, organization on campus. 
and, um, and of course, I was spirit-filled at that time, but it wasn't a, wasn't a Pentecostal group. So I didn't, you know, I didn't get up and teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. But the friends of mine that I developed in that group there, we would go off, you know, off, off uh, uh, not off campus, but just uh, go off by ourselves, and, and we'd talk about the Holy Spirit. We prayed for people to be slain in the Spirit. Do you remember Tony Maribel? He's been here. He'd be slain in the Spirit, you know. We'd, we, and we had a great time, you know. Uh, but it was kind of like invitation only. If you want to know about it, you know, you could, we could we'd tell you about it, but we, we weren't going to actively uh, be disrespectful to the organization. <clears throat> and... Um, uh, but there was a, you know, there was kind of a revival going on in that area. We were, a lot of people were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, and, and it really was doing well. Uh, and then, so the president of the organization, though, came to me. Now, you know, there's, uh, there was five or six of us in the leadership role. Uh, the president of that uh, came to me, <clears throat> and she said, you need to stop doing that. What? what? You know, isn't that the craziest thing? Stop helping people. You got to stop doing that. Now, I, I, wasn't sub, I wasn't usurping any authority of the organization. I wasn't, I wasn't running down the organization. I wasn't trying to take advantage of the organization. It was just uh, us, you know, our own group of people that had nothing to do with the organization, you know, just wanting to know more about God. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and so and it was really a, me and a friend of mine, we were kind of the, the ringleaders in that. He was a pastor's son and is a great man of God, and, and um, we had a great time. And so she said, you've got to stop doing that. And I let her say whatever she wanted to say. And I said, look, I said, here, here's the problem. If you go through the scriptures, every time there's a move of God and somebody wanted to shut that move down, God would just pick it up and go somewhere else. Remember when he went to, to his own hometown, Nazareth, right? What's it say that he, he what? He could there do what? No mighty works, right? It didn't say he wouldn't. He said he couldn't. So what did he do? He left and went somewhere else. Amen. You find that same thing repeated over and over again, right? Jesus said, if they don't receive you, just shake the dust off, the, off, your, off your feet and just go on, amen? Just, just leave them there alone, amen? Uh, and so, um, so, you know, that was, you know, that's persecution. I, I didn't die, you know, I didn't show any blood, you know, but, but I was kind of blackballed because of that, right? And, and so, uh, and, you know, the, the funny thing is, or not funny, it's sad, Again, like I said, that was the largest organization on campus. We, have, we're, we were a major movement on campus. People getting born again, people getting helped. Uh, that organization does not even exist on that campus anymore. And why? God moved. He, didn't, uh, he moved only because they moved, right? They said, we don't want, we don't want God. I was like, okay, I'll go find somebody else who wants me. Uh, and they shut it down, amen? Uh, and so, but back to the story of Brother Hagin, uh, he had invited over, and they wanted to, tell him some, some uh, uh, great revelation. <clears throat> and, you know, he, he always uh, shied away from that because usually it's some crazy thing, right? And, of course, uh, she told him a story, <clears throat> and it was, um, it was some crazy story, right? And he said, it's not biblical. <clears throat> yeah. and, and, you know, uh, that's really all you got to say. You know, you don't have to argue with him, date with him. It's like, that's not biblical. I said, well, it's my revelation. God gave it to me. Well, it can't be God because it's not biblical. She got so mad at him, she, she picked up a glass of tea and threw it in his face. Can you imagine doing that to a minister? <clears throat> Pick up a glass of tea and threw it in his face. So he picked up a glass of tea and threw it in her face. Now, she's like the pastor's wife, right? <laughs> They're at their house. And then this is when I start laughing, right? Because, <clears throat> you know, only Brother Haken could do that with no ill will in his heart, right? She wanted to kill him, right? He was just, and he was laughing the whole time. 
So she picked up under the glass, threw it in his face. He picked up under the glass, threw it in her face. And he's laughing the whole time. Uh, and um, <clears throat> he, I'm laughing, he's laughing, right? Uh, that's what Chris is like, what are you laughing about? Because uh, I'm thinking, I, I would do that. I, I, you know, I could do that and not even be mad at somebody. I'd, be, I'd think it's the funniest thing ever. <clears throat> and, uh, and, of course, his wife, Aretha, is right there watching this whole thing. I'm sure her eyes are big as saucers, you know. And she didn't rebuke him or anything. I'm sure she knew by then not to rebuke him. Uh, because he's laughing, amen, he's not mad at anybody, <clears throat> so she picked up another glass, and he picked up another glass, face. finally he picked up a picture of tea, we're out of glasses now, let's get to the whole picture, you know, and then they, they then she backed down, right, about, about that time, <clears throat> and I don't know if she ever got any help or not, uh, but, you know, uh, it, that's a minor amount of, of persecution, right, but it's still persecution, amen, it came from the church, it didn't come from the world, so, <clears throat> um, we're about out of time because there, there's a few examples uh, given in, um, in the Word of God that uh, uh, we've got just a minute. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. You know, there will be real sufferings, right? In fact, before you turn over to Romans chapter 8, turn over to uh, Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> so we see this mostly with, uh, with, uh, with uh, Paul, right? So Acts chapter 9, this is Paul on the road to Damascus. And what did, what did the Lord tell Paul? It says that uh, in verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined, shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So first of all, if you're being persecuted, they're not persecuting you. Who are they persecuting? Persecuting Jesus. And so who, who are they going to have to answer to when they get to heaven? Now, now, Saul was part of Jewish leadership, right? He was a Pharisee. So uh, all these people that are persecuting Christians even from inside the church, they're persecuting Jesus, amen? Now the world is persecuting Jesus, but even inside the church, they're persecuting Jesus. You know, all those people out to the story about me, they didn't persecute me, they persecuted Jesus, you know? That uh, the president of that organization, when she goes to stand before the Lord Jesus, he's gonna say, why did you persecute me? And she'll be like, well, Lord, I would never do such a thing. And he'll wind it back to that conversation we had, right? It was in a side room somewhere. I, I, I can go to the exact spot right now, tell you exactly where it was. <clears throat> and in tears, she was, she was crying at the end of it. And I was really kind to her. I wasn't, I wasn't rude. I wasn't like, well, you just watch God. I just, you know, I just very calmly said, well, God will move. And I don't even know why she was crying. I don't, maybe she was uncomfortable in a, in a situation that she had to rebuke me because people put her up to it. Uh, and, um, and now we were a student organization. We did have a um, we did have a uh, an adult kind of advisor that was part of the organization. Right, their job was only to advise. Their job wasn't tell us what to do. We we made our own decisions, but we you know we they were there. And the first one we had, um, she was amazing. Right, she was just really good, helpful, uh, super valuable to the organization. And then of course you know. Uh, Anytime somebody's really successful, you got to get rid of them, right? So they got rid of her, and they brought this other fellow on, super immature, super, you know, uh, 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 well, I don't know what the best word for him, uh, insecure is the, is the word I'm trying to think of, super insecure. And he kept trying to tell me how to do my job. Well, you need to do this, 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 you know? And I'm thinking, that's not your, really your role. Your role is to advise, you know? not to tell me and dictate how you want the, the large group meetings to go, right? Well, you need to, and so, uh, you know, so most guys would just ignore him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rebuke him because he was my elder. I wouldn't say you're wrong. You know, I would just kind of like, well, you know, you need to do this. I'm like, what? And then I wouldn't do it and he'd get mad. And, 
But he never asked me why I wouldn't do it. If he asked me, I'd say, well, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? I'm not going to do that. It would just suck the life out of everything if you did it that way. Uh, and so, so he invited me to go to lunch with him one time. <clears throat> and so we were at lunch, and, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm going to lunch with this guy, you know, that's all right. You know, he's our, he's our, our advisor, you know, have spend some time with him. And we, we got done with lunch, and then he just said, you're the worst person in the whole world. You know, you're terrible, you're, you're prideful, you think you know everything, you know, you're, you won't listen to anybody except for you. And I'm thinking, oh, I just was eating my lunch, you know. I mean, was, was there something I said? Did you not like your, your corn dog or something that you got? I mean, I didn't do anything to him. And, uh, and so, but uh, the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So that lunch right there that we had, that that fellow was there, and he persecuted me. When he goes before the Lord Jesus, he'll be like, why'd you persecute me that day at lunch? And he'd be like, I... I Lord, I didn't do that. Yeah, you know, he, he, he was uh, doing the things as, as the, I directed him to do it. Uh, and you didn't like that, and so you persecuted me because you didn't like what I told him to do. Well, Lord, I, you know, uh, if you would put it like that, you know, that's really uncomfortable, right? <laughs> and so, but the Lord said, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. <clears throat> and... and he trembled and astonished and said, Lord, what shall I do? Lord, arise and go in the city. It shall be told thee what thou must do. And so you can come on down to, uh, to um, um, uh, later on when he goes to Ananias. Of course, Paul was uh, blinded from the, from the glory of God there. And then in verse 10, he goes, uh, Jesus finds Ananias. And he says, uh, Ananias, and, and he said unto him, Behold, I am here, Lord. In verse 11, he says, Arise and go in the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas uh, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and I've seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming into him, putting his hands on him that I might receive his sight. And of course, Ananias is like, Lord, uh, uh, have you not met Saul? You know what this guy's like, right? <clears throat> and and uh, he, he's got authority from the chief priests, bind all that call upon the name. And in verse 15, the Lord said, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel, for I will show him how great or many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Suffer for my name's sake, right? So was Paul ever sick? You know, people say Paul was sick, but Paul was never sick, you know, uh, at least the way they were saying it, Paul was never sick. Uh, and, uh, you know, Paul did experience some things like poverty, uh, but, but um, that, if you go through the list of, of uh, problems that Paul suffered with, it was primarily physical persecution from either the Jewish people or the world, amen? Uh, and and uh, I want to read one more verse and then we'll, we'll finish up for today. Now we can turn to Romans chapter 8. So Jesus said, uh, he'll show him what, what great or many things he must suffer for his name's sake. And then Paul says here, in verse, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. So this is really a good verse here because no person who's ever persecuted should ever get to the point of, Lord, it's so hard. It's so hard being a Christian. You ever hear people say that? It's so hard. People are so mean to me. You know, this lady uh, I used to know years ago, uh, she came to our church, in fact, many, many years ago. Every week I'd see her, you know, oh, it's so hard being a Christian. People are so mean to me. They're so unkind to me. You know, she worked at a bank and, and apparently, you know, she was a good employee and and she was a Christian, and they didn't like that, you know, because some people are lazy, you know, and if you're not lazy, you make them look bad. Well, I didn't make you look bad. You made yourself look bad all by yourself, amen? Uh, and so, but every week, it's so hard being a Christian. I'm like, you know, you, you work in an air-conditioned, 
building. You sit down all day long. You don't have to get up and do anything, you know. Which so, the money's so heavy. Okay, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, it's really hard to feel sorry for somebody working in a bank, right? I mean, you know, as far, now somebody out, uh, we went to Africa one time and it was like 100 degrees out there and the guy's digging a, a footer, a ditch for a building with a pickaxe. Now that's hard work. Sweat, I mean, I, you know, I couldn't be out there for just a few minutes. I just burst into flames, right? And he, I mean, and it's so slow. I mean, it's so hot, so humid. And he's just digging by himself, just digging this footer, you know. And it's like he, a building is the size of this sanctuary, probably twice as big as the sanctuary, manually, right, with a pickaxe. Uh, now, that's hard work, amen, in the hot sun. And yet, she, she and, 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 I, and I really tried to help her. Number one is I never hooked up with her complaining. And I never said, oh, it's so hard. So, well, you know, the Lord's got you there for a reason to help those other people. And sometimes he does that, right? Sometimes he'll put you in a situation where the people will not like you, but you're there to be a blessing to them. And you may have to suffer in order to be a blessing to them. I have experienced that myself many times where, where I suffered trying to help somebody else. Well, that's part of the deal sometimes, right? Greater love is no man that is that we lay down his life for, for his friend. Uh, but Paul said that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. It's so hard. See, if you think it's so hard, then you think it's greater than the glory that you'll receive someday. But if you realize that, you know, the glory we receive will so overshadow any minor inconvenience, even up to the point of physical death, that we will suffer. Because Paul was, you know, he's beaten many times, right? A day and the night and deep. And, you know, he has lists of, of things that he, that he suffered. Uh, and we may go through them next week if we have time. Uh, but he had, you know, he was beaten, you know, uh, five times uh, at 39 lashes. Uh, that's a lot, right? Because the intent of those 39 lashes is to take you to the point of death without dying. Uh, and he did that five times. You know, one person, you know, if you go over to like South Korea or some of those uh, East Asian countries, if you get caught doing certain things wrong, they will cane you, right? They will take a cane pole, right? A long, bendy pole, and they will cane you. They will beat you with this cane pole publicly. And why do they do that? They do that to encourage you not to do that thing again. And most people are encouraged not ever to do that again. Amen? People say, it's cruel and unusual punishment. Well, it's not unusual. I was caned all my life. Weren't you caned all your life? I mean, I had a switch. It wasn't a cane pole, but it was a switch. It was the same thing, right? It wasn't quite as intense as a cane pole. But um, I don't know. It's not unusual at all. Amen? It's not cruel. Because if it's a one-time deal and you never do it again, that's not cruel. Uh, and so anyway, you know, no discussion about caning or anything, but Paul said that they're not worthy. And so that's the attitude we need to have is whatever suffering we do, it's like, well, Lord, that's, you know, com that compared to your glory, uh, it's not even worthy of talking about it. Shouldn't even bring, bring it up. Right? No, you know, sometimes it's helpful to bring them up. Paul brought them up many times. But as far as if you're looking at, Lord, it's so hard being a Christian because I've got to do that. And you realize, yeah, but if I do that, I get to go to glory. So that's not even, a, that's not a thing. Amen. And so that's really, if you want to, if you want to uh, help yourself to get to a point where uh, the suffering of this world is not a big deal, meditate on Romans 8.18. Amen. If you meditate on Romans 8.18, whatever suffering, when people walk away from you, when people shun you, when they think bad about you, when they talk about you, you know, of course, that's the, that's the primary suffering that we will have to suffer in our, in our civilized society of America, right? 
People just don't like you. And they'll talk about you. They'll say, but just one of those people, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, well, compared to the Lord Jesus, is that even a thing? It's not a thing, right? And so, you know, all that suffering that I've had to do over the years, um, it's, it's not a thing, amen? Uh, it, I don't remember it. I don't, it's not real to me in the sense that I, I relive it. You know, I wake up in a cold sweat thinking about this thing that somebody did to me. Never happens, right? They make for great stories, but other than that, they're not part of who I am. The Lord Jesus is who I am, amen? I mean, I'm not the Lord Jesus, you know what I'm saying. It's, I, I am a child of God. That's who I am. Uh, and so, so Paul said the fellowship of his suffering. So it's the persecution that he's talking about, amen? No other, no, other, no other suffering that a child of God has to go through. And I, and I say they have to go through the suffering of persecution, uh, they only have to do that, but it's just going to happen, amen? It's going to happen. If you live your life as a Christian, you're going to suffer, amen? And there's no really good way to, around, to get around that other than just not doing anything. You can lock your doors and pull your shades and hide under the cover. And yeah, you may not suffer persecution if you do that, but you'll also never accomplish the will of God, amen? Uh, and so some Christians are very, you know, they, don't want, they never want anybody to think bad about them. And I've had lots of people tell me, you know, you need to do this because if you don't do that, they're going to think bad about you. <clears throat> I mean, that's not even a blip. I mean, that's not even a... Now, I don't, I don't try to... I'm going to do this to intentionally offend them. You know, I have no desire for people to think ill of, of me. Uh, but I also have no desire for people to... For me to do something to earn somebody's uh, good thoughts about me as well. I have no desire to earn that. Amen. I desire to worship the Lord God and follow Him. And, and people that also want to do that will love me, amen, and they will love you. People that will love themselves will persecute you. <clears throat> and it's just the way it is, you know. And, uh, uh, as long as we're on this earth, that's going to happen, amen. Nothing you can do about it. Now, when it comes to, to dying as a martyr, you, you've heard me tell this before, and then we'll go. You know, to me, that question, uh, that's a question, that's an outstanding question I have with the Lord. Lord, am I, am I required to be a martyr in the sense of dying for the cause? Because when I look at the Gospels, I see that Jesus was never a martyr. They tried to kill him many times, didn't they, right? Stone him, throw him over a cliff, you know, things like that. He walked through the midst of him every time. Couldn't lay a hand on him. But you, know, you go to the, in the uh, book of Acts, and there were lots of martyrs, right? Uh, and so <clears throat> Stephen was a martyr, James was a martyr, right? Uh, uh, other Christians were martyrs, no doubt. Um, my, so my question is, Lord, do I have the opportunity to, even in the midst of, of, of sure death, could I not walk through the midst of him like you did? That's my question, right? I'm not really want to go try that out, you know, like a scientific method. I'm going to go do something to, you know, be condemned to death and then see if I can walk away from that. It's not really a plan there, but, <clears throat> but it's a question, Amen. My, my, uh, my intuition tells me that that's an option. <clears throat> it was an option for Jesus, right? Uh, and if I haven't completed my whole work on the earth yet, and somebody wants to take me off the earth early, they, don't, they shouldn't have that right. Amen? Uh, and so <clears throat> uh, that's kind of what I lean to. Amen? Like I said, I'm not interested in go finding out uh, and try that out. But if it ever does happen, amen, we'll... we'll um, We'll talk to the Lord at about point in time. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you for your blessings. And, Father, uh, there is suffering in this world, Father, but there is glory that we will obtain 
in, the, in your presence. And so, Father, your glory that will be revealed in our lives, uh, it, it's so great and so magnificent, Father, that any sufferings we have are unworthy to even be compared. That, well, yeah, Lord, we get your glory, but we did have to suffer to obtain it. Uh, that, that's not even close, Father. It, it's such a small, uh, minuscule thing that the, the sufferings are, are not worthy to be compared. These light afflictions, Father, as Paul called them. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you that we will keep our hearts and minds in the right attitude, Father, as we progress in our faith and advance your kingdom in the earth. And yes, Father, there will be some people who will not be happy about that. And, and the devil will rise up in them and desire to bring harm to our lives. And yet, Father, uh, we can overcome. <clears throat> in fact, Father, you said, the Lord Jesus himself said that, uh, uh, that we can be cheerful because you have overcome the world. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you all praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Anybody super excited about being persecuted? No. You should never look. I can't wait to be persecuted. That's, that should not be a goal. Amen. Oh, yeah. And people. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way I think, too, that, uh, why, yeah, why would he deliver us from this, but he won't deliver us from, because he said he would deliver us from wicked and unreasonable men. I mean, he did say that, right, in, in uh, Thessalonians, and so. Uh, <clears throat> It doesn't mean that we won't suffer, right? We will suffer, amen? And we might be beaten. Paul was beaten many times, right? But, you know, Jesus never was. So, again, there's, there's that, right? So, you know, I'm going to, in the moment, I'm going to, well, can I have your plan, Jesus? I like your plan better than Paul's plan. You know, I don't want to have a list. I don't want to get to heaven and go, yeah, I look, yeah, you think you had a rough Paul. I had a pretty rough too, right? Come ahead, Mr. Darren, we'll receive this evening's offering. <clears throat> I have no desire to compete with Paul. Anybody want to compete with Paul? I don't want to compete with Paul. I want to compete with Jesus, amen? Uh, he had zero... Uh, physical harm applied to him in his life until he went to the cross. <clears throat> I like that plan. Amen. Now, uh, he wasn't a wallflower. He didn't hide out and, and not do anything. He did plenty of things. Amen. In fact, he riled up an entire nation and it riled up an entire world because of his, his movement. Amen. I like his plan best. Amen. Uh, can we leave that? You know, I just believe that there is, you know, because there's nothing in the, in the book of Acts that says they had to go through those things. Amen. They just did, but it didn't say they had to. Amen. And so praise God. We'll, we'll be blessed. Uh, don't forget prayer on Friday night, 7 p.m. Uh, you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you then.